Welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. This is episode 33, Customer Marketing Data and Trend, and it starts right now. Digital Marketing Happy Hour is brought to you by Araxum, your resource for marketing and technology. For more information, go to araxum.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M.com. So we are back at it again for another happy hour. And what happy hour is complete without a few beverages? Ryan, what are you drinking this week? You know, so several years ago, I went on like this whole Pinot Noir phase. I went through a long period of it, even before that movie Sideways came out and it was all about Pinot Noir. And then I just kind of moved on to something else. And when Thanksgiving came around, I think I love, I think Pinot Noirs is great as well as, you know, some Chardonnay, but that's what we had our house for Thanksgiving dinner. And so since then, I've really kind of started jumping back into it. So I found this Pinot Noir out of Oregon, Willamette Valley called Rex Hill, and I'm loving it. So that is what I'm having uh, during this happy hour What are you drinking, Chris? I'm sticking with the holiday beer selection this week. I'm having another Sam Adams. This time it's the Holiday White Ale, which is their Belgian-style White Ale, which is, you know, another good one by Sam Adams. They do put out a lot of good ones. Well, we have our beverages in hand, so let's get started. He's Chris Casale. I'm Ryan Smith. Thank you for joining us this week on Digital Marketing Happy Hour. If you're new to the podcast, we welcome you. If you're a repeat listener, thank you. And if you continue to find value in this podcast, would you please kindly leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, or wherever platform you listen to this podcast on. So Ryan and I have spent some time looking through a lot of the data that we're seeing in digital marketing, as well as some of the trends that are emerging. And, you know, we're still in the middle of this global pandemic. We're in the middle of the holiday season, and we're trying to figure out, all right, What is it that businesses need to know in order to make the best decisions available to them? And one thing that we're seeing pretty consistently is that marketing during this pandemic might not actually be as complex as we originally thought. Now, it's true. The U.S. job market is down significantly year over year, and we've got a lot of data that supports that. And, you know, obviously we're talking about numbers that impact the U.S. job market, but this is a global pandemic. This is a global phenomenon that's happening right now. So all over the world, we're seeing the huge downturn in economies and, you know, a lot of jobs have been lost. Some of them, hopefully temporarily, as countries go into lockdowns, but some of them maybe more permanently as there's going to be an economic impact to the shutdown that's occurred. Despite the fact that the job market is down, Black Friday, which if you're not familiar with the term Black Friday, Black Friday is the day in the United States that occurs the Friday right after Thanksgiving. And the reason it's historically called Black Friday is that retail establishments throughout the course of the year generally run in the red. They're running at a loss. And Black Friday has historically been the largest shopping holiday of the year for a very, very long time now. And it was the day that retailers went from the red and into the black and showed positive sales, essentially. Black Friday this year was one of the largest, most successful Black Fridays in history that we've ever seen. So despite the fact that the economy is not looking very strong, you still have one of the best sales day ever. And if you haven't seen the same results that others are seeing this offseason, 
you might need to rethink how you're reaching out to your audience because there are certain retailers out there, hello, Amazon.com, that are doing a really great job with this. And there's no reason you can't be either. And I agree. And when you start to see the job market is down, but you start to hear reports of an Amazon doing great, and they're not the only retailer did great. A lot of them did great. I kind of like to start to peel back the onion a little bit and look at the different layers. So one thing I always like to look at, and this is something that I actually started to look at from a marketing perspective, starting back in about 2008, 2009, which is now called the Great Recession. And one of the things I like to look at is called in the United States, it's the Consumer confidence index. And it basically is kind of a score and it just reflects business conditions and the likely developments in the upcoming months ahead. So the report comes out every month and it's going to detail consumers, the attitudes and, you know, their potential buying intentions. So it breaks the data down, you know, based off of their age, income and region, it puts it all together and they come up with this score. I personally like the Consumer Confidence Index because it portrays the perceived consumer confidence. And this is on a national level. And as we know, perception is reality. Back in 2008, 2009, during that Great Recession, I actually worked at the time for a company that stored umbilical blood stem cells from newborn babies uh, that they can later use for therapies if they get any type of blood cancers and so forth. It is perceived as kind of an insurance. And for newborn parents, it is definitely a luxury item. So after parents get all of their you know, the cribs and all of the baby clothes and everything else that was always typically towards the end of the list of things that they may buy. What I noticed in that industry, I would measure the sales of the company I was working for, and it actually mirrored the consumer confidence index. When it would go up, sales would go up. When it would go down, sales would go down. So I actually used that for my own, in a way, as kind of a a little bit of a forecasting model. So when you start to see the economy sort of the way it is, you know, again, as Chris said, not just here in the United States, but also around the world, I went back and I looked at that consumer confidence index. Well, back in 08 and 09, the consumer confidence index, and it has a scale of, you know, goes a little bit over 100. And if you think of 100 scores, like an A plus, and you think of, uh, you know, a zero would be, you know, an F minus if we're going to grade school here. Well, the consumer confidence index bottomed out in the 20s back in 08. Well, Looking at October 2020, November 2020, the score hovered right around 100. And that had me thinking like, wait a minute. So we're hearing these things that are going on with, you know, unemployment. We're hearing about, you know, potential lockdowns. We're seeing it, you know, for a period of time in Europe. You're seeing it in different parts of the United States. Yet consumer confidence is high. So these are things to think about when you are creating your marketing and wondering, okay, are people going to spend money or are they not going to spend money? Consumer confidence, I think, is a great measure to look at and to get a better understanding of it. So we're not getting into the global economies and politics, things like that. There are probably other podcasts that would be much better suited for that. But we wanted to give you at least an idea of where people are thinking and how you should frame your mind when looking into your messaging and who to reach out for. The kind of results we've witnessed during this holiday season, you could say are unprecedented. We touched on this, you know, earlier with Chris talked about Amazon. Amazon already came out and they said this year's holiday shopping season in 2020 has been the biggest in its history. 
more consumers are doing their holiday shopping from their couch. Obviously, this is due to the pandemic with a lot of either malls or stores closed or people just don't feel comfortable going out to it. So they're on their couch and they're using their computers, their tablets and their phones. What this has done is the spending online specifically on that Black Friday this year in 2020 climbed. 22% year over year to a record $9 billion. And that is reported by Adobe Analytics. Now that we've made that case that in this particular turbulent economy, consumers have not eliminated their spending behavior. However, they have transformed the methods in which they are purchasing. So Chris, I think this is something that when we hear the economy is bad and we need to kind of take a step back and look at everything because the behaviors have changed, yet they're still spending. And there could be this perception from business owners that people just aren't spending money. And in a way, they have to sort of reinvent themselves and reinvent their marketing yeah, I think that's absolutely accurate. And I think that one of the things that we've seen from businesses is that when the economy starts to contract a little and we have to tighten that belt, the first budget to get cut is usually, unfortunately, the marketing budget. And I think what this data shows you, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast before, is never stop marketing. Never cut that marketing budget off completely. And, you know, in a perfect world, if you're doing your diligence with regard to analytics and your data tracking, you should know how much revenue that your marketing is generating. In other words, if you know and you can prove conclusively that for every dollar of marketing you spend, you're bringing in $2 in sales, why would you ever turn that off, right? And I think the biggest thing here is making sure that you've got the data to support that so that as we go through this unprecedented time, to use a cliche phrase, that we as marketers are able to make a case for the marketing budgets that we've got so that for consumers who are buying right now, you know, consumer confidence is higher than we might have actually expected during a period like this, that our business, our brand is something that they're coming across through our advertising efforts. You know, I always love the quote, age old and it's timeless from Henry Ford. A man who stops advertising to save money is like a man who stops a clock to save time. And, you know, Henry Ford has had a few uh, zingers in his time. To me, that was just one that is still relevant. And I think it even means more now during a pandemic and during this kind of where everything seems to be upside down. So looking back, we like to see, okay, well, what is working? And the one thing I love about marketing is you always have to do a barometer check and see because what worked yesterday might not be working tomorrow. And that's what I love about it. The game is always changing and it's it's very fluid. And Chris and I love sports. And if you've been following this podcast, we always peppered in some sort of sports here and there. So when I say game, it's a little bit of that context behind it. What we've noticed is the brands have shifted how they communicate to their audience. And those are the trends that we're seeing have the most success. So if we look back just to a couple of years ago, some of the metrics that businesses were using to convey success were things like, you know, upselling and cross-selling. What is their renewal and churn rate, customer satisfaction, which they're all extremely important. Where the trends now go and how brands are measuring, and you should see if this is how you're doing it for your business as well, is it's really a focus, I would say, on storytelling. 
with a layer of customer satisfaction is definitely a part of it. So one thing that we've seen is success stories. You know, how are brands communicating their success? Are they offering proof that their product or service is working from the brand standpoint? That would be number one. Right behind it, which is also age old, is testimonials. And I think somewhere along the way, some brands have not put enough emphasis on customer testimonials. And when you're talking about tactics, where do customer testimonials come in? A couple of things. I think if you have a lead nurturing campaign going on where you're sending out emails, which by the way, if we've talked about many times as podcast, email marketing is, is so relevant and so far from dead. You shouldn't be incorporating that into your marketing. Customer testimonials are great once you've delivered a whole bunch of value and they're on the brink of making a decision, whether going to your product or service or somebody else's. Customer testimonials really do hammer it home. The other part of customer testimonials is great if you are advertising on social media using testimonials as a remarketing campaign. People who are already familiar with you, they've been to your website and they've left. Now they're going to, for example, maybe open up their Facebook feed, or if it's a B2B, their LinkedIn newsfeed, and they're going to see customers raving about their customer experience with your brand. That really does drive the message home. And then the third trend that we're really seeing that most businesses are measuring and really putting money behind, it's the advocate marketing. And that is just simply a form of marketing that emphasizes getting your customers to talk about the company and its products. We also call this, especially if you see it on social media, we call this social proof. Uh, another way to do it is to also get your micro-influencers and your nano-influencers involved as part of your marketing strategy as well, where they're advocates for your brand. So Chris, there's a storytelling component to all three of these. And those are trends that have really been increasing. And I think they're even more important during a pandemic, during a holiday time season. And as we're going into a, a new year, that these are trends that aren't going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, it's interesting. I've always found that testimonials to be, you know, I, I don't know, a little 50-50 for me personally. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't collect them. I absolutely agree with the point that you made, Ryan, that you should absolutely be collecting testimonials. But I've noticed that for myself, when I come across testimonials on a product site, unless I'm right at that purchasing decision, I'm not going to look at the testimonial. I think where testimonials become more important for you and your brand is in the reviews section. Google reviews, Yelp, things like that. I think that's absolutely critical to business success. However, the storytelling component you talk of, I think, is key. Looking at success stories, I think, when you look at something of the, the brand advocate marketing, you know, as, as we like to say, influencer marketing, if you're looking to solve a problem and you come across a story of somebody who had a similar problem and the way that they solved it and how this organization or this business helped them in their journey, that might be something that interests you. And you don't end up feeling like you're being sold something, which I think is a critical component of that. We've talked about this before, but none of us like to feel like we're being sold something, yet every single one of us likes to buy. So 
inadvertently, if you're reading this story and it's something that's going to help you solve a problem and it's helping you in your buying decision, that's the shift that we're seeing here. The brands that are making the move towards the storytelling that are focusing on actively and proactively trying to help their customers, whether they're going to get a sale today or not, are the ones that are going to see the longest term benefit from all of this. And you know, it's easy to look at a mega company like Amazon and say, well, yeah, of course they're doing it well throughout all this. How could they not be doing well? But think of all of the micro businesses that are attached to Amazon that are doing well. And you know, I think that you hit on something here that the organizations that are using that storytelling component that are relating to their audiences are going to have the most success. So with this, there are three points that we want you as an audience listener to take away from this episode. And again, behaviors have changed because of the global pandemic that has accelerated a digital transformation for most businesses. But consumers are confident, and that's important, and still buying despite the loss in jobs and the economic numbers. I think the difference that you're seeing here compared to other economic downturns that we've seen throughout history is that people believe that this is temporary. There's still a lot of hope, despite how long this has lasted, that we're going to overcome this virus. There's going to be a vaccine, and these jobs are going to come back. And that's why you're seeing such high consumer confidence. People want to believe that a return to normalcy is still just around the corner. The second takeaway that we want to leave you with is that the tactics that more brands are using, as Ryan mentioned, are focused on storytelling. And that means a focus on brand success stories, their customer testimonials that drive the customer experience and focus on social proof. And their micro and nano influencers as well to advocate for your brand across platforms like social media. I think the big thing is to always stay in front of potential customers, and that is through social media. And again, the messaging you want to do is to focus on that storytelling. You still want to solve the problem, and you can do that in a storytelling way. So it's still staying in front of them. I believe there's an out of sight, out of mind mentality. And if, for example, your customer isn't ready to buy right this second, don't just assume that everybody's also not waiting, willing to buy either. Keep in front of them because they're going to get to that moment. And when they are ready, if you're the one that's still in front of them, whether it is through content that you're creating on a blog, whether you're promoting that blog through social media, if you're creating ads through Google ads, for example, any of those ways, when they are ready and they keep seeing with repetition and frequency, you're going to be the one that they think of at the very top of their list and they're going to go to. And then lastly, with that, no matter the state of the economy, never stop marketing. Think of the, the Henry Ford quote, even when people have bought your product or service, you should not stop marketing to them. You should always continue to communicate with them because you also want them to become advocates for your company. You want them to send referrals to your business for more you know, potential revenue. So never stop marketing. Yeah, key point, Ryan. Marketing might change, but it should never stop. And you definitely want to make sure that you're consistently engaging with your customers and, you know, asking for that referral, asking for that success story or that testimonial. It's a very easy thing to do, and yet most businesses simply don't do it. They don't have a plan 
for word-of-mouth marketing. As Jay Bear mentioned to us several episodes ago now, taking the time to engage with your existing customers and your previous customers and getting those testimonials, which can then help generate new customers for you, that's a very important step and definitely something you want to be doing. So it's not always just business that we talk about here, Chris. Uh, It's our Keep It Light. What is it that you're binge watching or listening to uh, these days? So I am on a reading kick lately, and usually I'm reading some type of business or self-help book or something like that. But I went in a completely different direction. I got a gift, you know, we're in the holiday season, and a friend of mine gave me a copy of the new J.K. Rowling book, The Ichabod. And I think, you know, unless you've been living in a hole somewhere, everybody knows, everybody's heard of J.K. Rowling. She's pretty famous for writing the Harry Potter series, seven books, and I think there were eight movies in total made out of it. And, you know, she's written, she's a famous author, so she's written some the children's books and she's written some adult books as well. But this was a story that I guess she started reading to her kids while she was writing the Harry Potter series. And... You know, she never ended up doing anything with it. She tucked it up in her attic. She went on to work on some other stuff. And then in March of this year, the pandemic closed everything down. So she brought it out of the attic and she actually published it on her website. And one of the things she did that I thought was really super cool is that she would publish it one chapter at a time and then ask children to submit illustrations for the book. So children from all across the world illustrated sections of the book. And she actually published it in November, but she published it with all of these illustrations from her fans, which I think is just such, you know, such an incredible story. And the Ichabod itself is a cute story. Definitely an enjoyable read. What about you, Ryan? What are you binge watching or reading? You know, going back to that, that is so interesting. And what a great marketing component it is to that about incorporating the illustrations of your fans, of your audience. And if you were sort of blessed to have that she chose that to be part of it. I mean, that is, that's huge. And, you know, we always like to keep it light, but from a business standpoint, and not that she needs like publicity to to do that, but that was smart. I mean, that really was smart on her part with that. Well, and she's donating all the proceeds to first responders as well from the sale of the book. So you're right. She definitely doesn't need the money she's done, you know, pretty okay for herself, but I agree with you 100%. I love the marketing component and then the impact as well. It, it really makes you feel good to support something like that. 100%. And you know, I, I'm a fan too of the, the Harry Potter. I'll be honest with you, never read a book of it, but love the movies. And if you are a fan of Harry Potter and you had a, haven't had a chance to go to Universal and the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, that's also a lot of fun to uh, kind of be a kid again and, and experience that. You know, I'm not doing anything original right now. Normally during this time of the year, one of the shows I look forward to, and of course, a lot of shows have been pushed because uh, they weren't be able to create episodes is the uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel normally comes out during this time of the year. And I've actually gone back and started watching them all over again. And it is just as funny, if not funnier, the second time around, and especially like a season one, which has now been about two or three years since I saw it, watching it all over again. It's just like watching it for the very first time. And I've actually been binging those recently. So that is uh, kind of rewatching those. That's what I'm doing. Well, we want to hear from you. If there's something you heard and you loved, if better yet, if there's something that you quite disagreed with that we talked about here in the podcast, please reach out to us. Let us know. Send us an email because, you know, people still do email. Send us an email to podcast at araxum.com. That's podcast at A R. 
A-X-A-M.com or hit us up on social media. Do both. On social media, go to LinkedIn and you can just search Ryan Smith Marketing. Probably the easiest way because there's one or two of Ryan Smiths on LinkedIn. Or hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Ryan Smith FLA. And I'm on Twitter at Real Chris Casale. That's R-E-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-A-L-E. And of course, my preferred method of contact is anything on LinkedIn where you can find me under my name, Chris Casale, but you can also find me under Araxum or Digital Marketing Happy Hour, as Ryan mentioned. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We sincerely hope it will enlighten your day. After all, it is our mom's favorite podcast. And on that note, Chris and all of our listeners, everybody, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone. Be kind to each other. Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxum at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at CactusSlimRecords.com. The music used for closing credits In My Pocket by Jazzer, you can find it on their album Message. Learn more at BetterWithMusic.com. Thank you for listening.